I want to just look at today at a revival here in the New Testament. I believe probably one of the greatest revivals that we read about. I want to, well, let's read Acts chapter 1 and we'll start reading in verse 1 and read a few verses. We'll pray and then look at another couple of verses, look at the message this morning. All right, the Bible says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which He was taken up, after that He, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And let's pray and ask God for His help. Father, Lord, as we come and bow before You this morning, Lord, we love You. God, we admit this morning, Lord, we're dependent upon You. Lord, without You, we can do nothing. Father, I need Your help. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would come today and direct my thoughts and my mind. God, that You would help me. Lord, as I stand and preach this morning, Lord, this is Your book and Your people. Lord, I'm just a man and imperfect at that. God, I'd ask You, please, Lord, that You'd use me for Your glory. Lord, that this morning we'd get some help from heaven. Lord, we ask for cleansing and forgiveness for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Again, I ask you to direct my thoughts and mind this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. We find here in the book of Acts, as we begin to read the... the if we stop and think about what's gone on, these fellows are at a time in their life, though though they have seen the miraculous. And for the last three and a half years, these fellows have traveled with Jesus all over Israel and Galilee, and they've seen the the hand of God move. They, they've seen some, I mean, just amazing, miraculous things. They, they saw, uh, you know, as Jesus would uh, heal folks that were diseased. Remember the, the ten lepers? I healed them. The woman that, the widow woman that she was burying her son. Jesus comes into town. They're having the funeral procession. Jesus reaches up, the Bible says, and touches the beard, the casket. And the young man sits up. I don't know about you. I'd be pretty scared about right here. Amen. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I've never seen a dead man sit up. If I was a pallbearer, I'd probably drop my side and kind of took off right then. Amen. 
But they, they've watched that. They've seen blind people begin to see again. Different ways that he did. One time he, he takes and he spits and makes, a, 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 if you will, a, a mud pie, puts it on the guy's eyes, tells him to go wash it off, and, and uh, when he does, he can see. Amazing. Remember the woman that she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, and she had already, the Bible says she had spent all her living on doctors. And it profited her nothing. And she went over there and just touched the hem of his garment. The Bible said immediately she is healed. And just all the you imagine being there at the first fish sandwich Sunday. You remember that? 5,000 folks. He's got five loaves, two fishes. Feeds 5,000 people. Takes up, what is it, 12 baskets full. I, I don't know about you. I, If I'm somebody there, I am just amazed. I mean, I, I, I'm, it's almost unbelievable. Amen? I mean, something. These guys had watched all, the apostles had watched those things as they traveled with Jesus for three and a half years. But now the same one that, that Peter had declared there in Matthew chapter 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is, he declares that. They have traveled with him. But then that same Jesus is there down at the garden. Soldiers come down there, take him off to a kangaroo court where they try him. The verdict is already in before the trial ever starts. Think Pilate tries to stop things, but there's no hope. Let's be honest, it was it was the plan of God that was taking place. But you can imagine how devastated those followers of Christ were as they see him now beaten till you cannot recognize him as a man. They watch as they, they spit on him and mock him. And, and to be honest, they're too scared to do anything. And, and let's be honest about it. Had we been there, we'd have been part of the crowd that was scared and ashamed of ourselves because we weren't doing anything about it. The one that we believed is our Savior. They watch. Now they take him there to Golgotha. They don't put him on the cross. He lays himself down. They drive those nails into his hands and into his feet. They watch as that cross is lifted up and dropped into that socket and the Savior is hanging there in a shame. They mock him. The first, the two thieves 
begin to mock. One gets under conviction. I believe he got saved that day. They watch as the one that is our Savior is crucified and died. They have to hurriedly take him off the cross and get him down to the tomb because the Passover is coming. They can't be defiled with a dead body, otherwise they can't partake of the Passover. So they have to quickly get him down to the tomb and get him inside. And they really don't have time to have any kind of service or anointing his body or, or anything. So they, they get him there in the tomb and roll the stone across the opening there and they leave. Passover comes and goes. Then Sunday morning comes. And I don't know about you, I'm glad Sunday morning came. Amen. Can you imagine this? Mary goes down to the tomb there, finds the stone rolled away, and she looks inside, she sees a fellow, she thinks it's the carpenter, her gardener. She says, Where are y'all taking him? If you just tell him, we'll come get his body and we'll we'll take care of him. Just tell him. And, and he says to her, Mary. And she knows immediately who he is. She runs back and tells Peter and John, he's not there, he's alive. They run down to the tomb and find that he's resurrected and then they seen that's an amazing thing. Though they have watched all of these things, turn to John chapter 20. And want you to see here, look down to verse 19. Look at what it says here. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples, look at this, were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace, be still. They, they sing. They, they talk with Him. Yet the Bible says they are assembled there hiding out. Because they're fearful. They killed Jesus and they knew the truth was they were next. They knew that they were coming after the followers of Christ. So they're fearful of what's going on. We find in Acts chapter 1, the Lord talks with them again. And it says there in Acts chapter 1, look back in verse 3, it says... That after he showed himself alive, the Bible says this, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So I want you to understand, these guys, though they have traveled with him, they watched him be crucified, he's resurrected, they know he's resurrected, Peter still after that says, Man, that's it. I'm going fishing. 
Several of the other apostles said, I'm going with you. These guys are still scared. They're still unsure of what's going on. Yet then we see Acts chapter 2. Where the Bible says there that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that they were all were all with one accord in one place. And how that the Holy Spirit of God falls upon the people of God. They go out and begin to speak in tongues. And I hope you're not of the crowd that thinks speaking in tongues was some kind of gibberish. It, it never was some kind of Ostalashanaha Kawasaki Azuki Yamaha she came on a hunt. That, that is not what speaking in tongues was. Speaking in tongues has always been known languages. And they, they began to, they, they were talking, Acts chapter 2 is clear about the different uh, nationalities that they were talking to there. Thirteen different nationalities we see. But it says, look, look down in chapter 2 in verse uh, 6. It says, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard... What's that next word? Them speak in their and his own language. I want you to get a hold of what's going on here because this is what we think happened on the day of Pentecost that the church is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 get saved. That's not what happened. The Bible says they heard them speak. In other words, there's 120 folks in church, and they get out talking to people about Christ. Peter then gets up, he preaches a message, but those people they had already been talking to about Christ, now 3,000 of those folks get saved. It wasn't just Peter's preaching. There was something happened in between John chapter 20 and Acts chapter 2 that was a miraculous revival that took place. These folks that were at the lowest of lows. Can you imagine how discouraged, how, how uh, I mean, how, how they must have just been so despondent. The one that is the Savior is now dead. We bury him. I understand we see him again, but I don't. I don't get it. I don't. They, they were confused still. Verse three in Acts one tells the Lord talked to them for, for over forty days. He talked with them about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. These fellows have such a miraculous revival that on Sunday, 50 days after His resurrection, man, one of the greatest revivals breaks out. Everybody in church is out talking to people about Jesus. That revival right there. 3,000 folks get saved. What happened? What happened that brought about such a revival? I want to give us just a few things this morning quickly. 
to see what it was that brought about such an amazing transformation. Things that I believe, if man will apply, that we can have the same kind of revival, and by the way, expect similar results to what they had. Number one, I see they had a saturated time spent with Jesus. Look again at Acts 1 verse 3. We've already talked about it several times. To whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Can I say this, man, for forty days they spent time with the Savior. Look, look back in Luke chapter 24 if you would. Let me, let me uh, help you to understand something right here. Luke chapter 24. Go back over there. I'm going to start reading down in verse 25. Luke chapter 24 and verse 25. Then He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see how discouraged they still are? This is after the resurrection, by the way. Remember Mark chapter 16, uh, basically it says the same thing. It, it, he upbraided, for, upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, He said. Now, here we have it. He says, this is Jesus talking. He said, Then He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And He made as though He would have gone further, but they constrained Him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And He went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, blessed it, and brake, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now look at this verse. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scripture? And I say you'll not spend a saturated time with Jesus if your heart not begin to burn. And when is the last time, folks, that we determined we were going to spend time with God? I mean, that we were going to really, we were going to set aside our time, sacrifice ourselves to say to God, I'm going to spend some time. God, I want you to speak to my heart. God, I, I, I need your presence. Let's be honest today, folks. Is it all right we're honest? Too many times we come to church and we're not even really expecting to hear from God. We come down here and it's just, we, we come down here to sing songs, to, I, I mean, to take up an offering, to pray, to say howdy to one another. It's good to see you again. Let Brother McMurtry get up and preach a message and don't you don't you preach too long and don't preach too hard. Well then you see that if you do, I'll get mine and I won't come back. 
instead of really coming down here saying, God, I got that. Can we be honest this morning again? You listen to me. We're in trouble. Folks, our nation, you understand? We're fighting a battle over men going into girls' bathrooms. I would have never, I can't, I still can't even comprehend it in my mind. What fool would say it's all right for me to go in her bathroom? Come on. Besides growing up, communism was an enemy. Amen or not? Russia and communism. Uh, China and communist was the enemy. Socialism was a half step to communism. Now we have millions voting for a socialist in our nation and it doesn't even make the news as being something amazing. We're in trouble. And it's a spiritual problem. It's not a problem with the economy. It's not a problem with the government. Though the government is out of control, though our, our nation is following the, the deviance of the day, the problem is our fault. Because we won't sacrifice ourselves to the Lord When's the last time you spent time fasting and praying? When's the last time you got real with God about your sin? It's awful quiet. Folks, we're in trouble. I see these folks before they had revival. They had a saturated time that they spent with Jesus. And I'll say it again. You'll not spend time with God and your heart not begin to burn with Him. The second thing I see is this. If you would, look down again to verse 3 there in Acts chapter 1. He said it, he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The second thing I see is this, is they had a better understanding of the plan of God. The people of God began to have a better understanding of the plan of God. So first, they spent time with the Lord, but now they've begun to have a better understanding of what God's plan is. See, as Jesus died and He is resurrected, they still, though they had spent this time with God, with Christ, walking with Him and learning from Him, they were still confused about what God's plan is. Let me simplify the plan of God for you this morning. Four simple things in the plan of God. Number one, that every man, woman, boy, and girl come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not willing that any should perish, but all 
come to repentance. Listen, this morning, if you do not know Christ as Savior, I'm telling you, God's will, God's plan for you is that He's in love with you. He wants you saved. He wants you to come to Him and submit yourself to Him and say to Him, I've been wrong. You're right. I'm guilty. I need forgiveness. Doesn't matter who you are. He wants you. Doesn't matter what you look like, how big your bank account is, or how little it is. That's not what He's looking for. He's just looking for somebody to say to Him, I need you. The second thing in His plan is this. Those that get saved, He wants to use you to bring others to Christ. He wants to use you to bring others to Christ. So first thing is that you get saved. Second thing, that you bring others to Christ. Third thing in God's plan is this, that while you are serving Him, He wants to provide for your needs. The fourth thing is this, when you finish serving Him and get to heaven, He wants to reward you for your service. That's the simple plan of God. Would you stop and think about that for just a minute? He wants to save you. He wants to use you to get others saved. He wants to pay you while you're doing it. And then He wants to reward you for what He paid you for doing. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal for us. Have you ever stopped and really thought about that before? How much God is in love with each person? And what the, the lengths that He'll go to to get folks saved? Can we again look at ourselves this morning? How many of us are worth using? I don't know about you, but I don't feel worth I, I know my own heart and life. I know my own thoughts. Let's be honest. The heart's deceitful, I would say, desperate. got what we deserve, we deserve it. Yet God wants to use it. So I see this. Folks that had revival first spent a saturated time with Jesus. Second, they had a better understanding of the plan of God. So they got out talking to others about Christ. Third thing is this. They gathered for prayer. Look at it. Over in Acts chapter 1. Look down to verse 12. Look at verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus, Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And I see a gathering for prayer by the church. Listen, if we're going to have revival, folks, we're going to have to get back to a time of prayer. I believe this, not only individual prayer, but corporate prayer. You know, we used to have, I, I know when I was growing up, we used to have what we called uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting. 
where on Wednesday nights the preacher would get up, he'd preach maybe a 15, 20 minute message, and then for the next 30 to 40 minutes we'd all come down the altar and spend time calling on God. Many times he'd call on several men to pray out loud as everybody else was praying silent. I remember as growing up as a kid there at Trinity Baptist Church, Brother Angley had started the church and Man, he, I, I'm just a good man of God. As we have revivals or different things be going on, he realized this. He realized that without God, we were doomed. So we'd have things like college prayer meetings, where his revival was coming up. He knew the evangelists couldn't bring revival in a suitcase. So he'd have families get together, they'd go over to somebody's house and they'd spend an hour or so praying. They'd send us kids back to the back bedroom. I remember hearing them pray there in the living room, begging God for His help and His power. I remember having things like all-night prayer. Or maybe either folks had signed up for an hour of prayer. They'd come down to the house of God, and they'd spend an hour or two hours just praying, asking God all night to be praying. You say, wait, Brother Scott, you mean 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, somebody, yeah. Yeah. See, Brother Angeli taught us prayer works. And if we're going to have revival, we're going to have to have God's presence. The only way you're going to have God's presence is Begin to pray. Get right with God. And today we kind of set prayer to the side. We talk about prayer. We have a lot of books on prayer. But we don't spend much time in prayer. When's the last time you got together as a church? Just spending time in prayer. Or you say, God... We've got to have you. Or we realize that without you, we can't have everybody. Without you, folks aren't going to get saved. Without you, God, your presence is not going to be real. When's the last time you did that as an individual? I see the church here. And as they had revival, they came together for prayer. Sacrificing their time. Realizing that, listen, it's not a sacrifice to spend time. Effectual, fervent prayer. Isn't that what it says in the book of James? It says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word fervent, you realize that's heated. Listen, listen. When's the last time you had some emotion in your prayer life? It's too quiet in here, folks. Too often our prayer life is cold and indifferent. It's just kind of a wish list before God. And we get to where it's just kind of a a repetitive thing. Oh, we're not saying Hail Mary full of grace. 
But it's the same thing day after day after day. And really no expectation and faith of a God actually answering prayer. I see the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. It says in chapter 2 and verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They weren't just indwelled. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, you're not going to be filled without emptying yourself of self. You'll not be filled without closeness of fellowship with God. You'll not be filled without holiness and separation from sin in your life. Folks, we've got to get back. If our nation is going to have revival, if we're going to have revival as individuals, if we're going to have revival as a church... We've got to get back to where we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. To where our services are exciting once again. You ever been in one of those services, Brother Manette, where a man and a guy gets up and preaches and everybody just kind of wonders what he said at the end of the message? I mean, no way, man. You get up and sing and it's like, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. No light, no spirit of God will come down here and it's just as dead as a hammer. And we leave out satisfied. Aren't we on our face before God begging for His presence in His power? Listen, wouldn't y'all agree? We've got to see something change. And the change has to be us. Amen? We can't keep saying, man, it's got to be her or her. He's got to change her. He's got hey, it's all Brother Gomer's fault, man. If he just get right with God, we can have everybody. No! It's you. <coughs> You're the guilty one. I'm the guilty one. We've got to have God's presence. And where we're coming to service, and it's exciting. You ever notice that about a service that's a spirit-filled service? Man, everybody's saying, I, I don't know, I, I don't understand the folks that come in here and they don't want to sing. Don't look at me like that. I'm telling you, I don't understand that. Why would you not want to praise the one that forgave your sin and saved you, that died for you? Why would you not want to lift your voice and praise him? I'm not talking about this silly, uh, 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 what they call them, uh, uh, I call them a dance team, but they (laughs) praise and worship, you know, uh, and they're swaying back and forth. I'm not talking about that stuff, but I'm talking about a heartfelt spirit of God singing that says to God, I heard an old, old story. Our Savior came from glory. I gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groanings. 
of his precious blood's atoning. And I repented of my sin and won the victory. Y'all sing. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew. time with Jesus. I see the truth is that they had a better understanding of the plan of God. They gathered for prayer. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And they begin to see a harvest of fruit. Go to the end of book of Acts. I'm not going to spend time there, but you know 3,000 got saved. The Bible goes on to say that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Daily. You know why it was daily? Because the people of God got back out in the streets talking to folks about Jesus. They was praying for family members. Tell them, once you come on and get saved. It's amazing. My nephew got saved January the 26th. You know what he did that evening? He called his sister. He said, you need to get saved. We got saved tonight. You need to get saved. He called me the next day. His heart was broken. He said, Carol won't get on board. This is the last time you've broken on your own family this long. Over the co-workers and the friends. This is the last time you've broken hearted over our nation. Folks, I don't understand. We desperately have to have everybody. We're acting like everything's okay. It's not okay. Let's stand there. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please.